everyone, and welcome back to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to empower the next generation of leaders through intentional mentorship. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, and share this with your friends so they can be encouraged. Today we hear from Pastor Rob White, a church planner in the heart of Oklahoma City who brings us a great reminder to live with purpose, not waiting for perfection, but continuing to move forward with faith and a heart hungry to hear God's voice. Don't go anywhere. You do not want to miss today's episode. Welcome, Next Gen Nation. This is the final month of podcasts for the dumpster fire of a year of 2020. And we're going to try to close this thing out with a little bit more uh, purpose and direction than we had going into this. This quarantine season has been horrible and we've all lived through it, but it seems as if none of us have really thrived in it. And if you're like many of the young men and women of your age that I'm in association with, you're, you're probably in a season that just seems like it's a complete waste of time. You've been having to do online virtual school. Jobs have been difficult to obtain because everybody's working from home. It's just like everything's put on hold and life has been suspended and nobody seems to know what to do. And you know what? We're all in this together. But this doesn't have to be a wasted season. And I want to talk to you about what to do about recovering the things that have been lost and uh, really preparing ourselves to be ready to receive something from God, something in the, in the realm of purpose, something in the, in the realm of, of a life purpose. We hear preaching about that a lot, about we need God gives us a purpose. And over and over again, we find in Scripture where people find their purpose in the presence of God. But how does that apply to us right now, where we're sitting, where we're living today. I want to uh, I want to propose a concept to you today. So many of us are waiting to find our purpose or waiting for God to show us our purpose or, or whatever it may be. I want to challenge you today to change how you think. Rather than putting your life on hold, waiting for God to come around, what if you were to purpose your life first? Purpose your life. Now, that doesn't mean you have to know your purpose, but purpose your life. And I'm going to give you some tools today. I hope that's going to be a blessing to you. I hope you'll understand what I'm talking about as we get further in today's podcast. I want to start today with a principle that I want everyone to understand. And it's something that is, uh, I think it's a misconception in our world today. We hear the word work. What's the first thing that goes through your mind when you hear about work? We think, oh, got to get up and go to work, or we think heavy, dirty, painful, and everybody's working for the weekend. We just want to get to the weekend. We're trying to get to you know, spring break if you're in school or to Saturday if you're working a nine to five, but work isn't supposed to be a drudgery. In fact, when we look biblically at work, work is supposed to be a blessing. And I want to challenge someone's mindset today about the concept of work. And I don't just mean a job. I mean work in general. In any, in any capacity, work is holy. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, God gave 
Adam a work to do. He gave him a job. He told him to keep and uh, keep the garden, or basically to, to, to dress and keep the Garden of Eden. That means to cultivate and protect the Garden of Eden. He's given him these instructions before any forbidden fruit has been eaten, before a serpent has reared its ugly head. It's even before Eve has shown up on the scene. Adam is given a job to do work before he's even given a wife. And some of you guys, you need to take that to heart. If you ain't got a job, don't be searching for a wife to support. You need a job. You need a career. Don't be just sitting around thinking it's going to come to you. We need to realize the holiness and the purpose that is found within work. You know, I'm going to I'm going to kind of jump off on a tangent here because it cuz I always this is a tangent I always like dabbling in. It's a tangent of relationships. And you know, Adam was made from the dust of the earth, but Eve was made from Adam's rib. You know, this is this contains within it the principle as to why a man is the one that should be the pursuer of the female in a relationship. You know, whenever a girl is chasing a guy and she is actively pursuing a guy, it seems to turn guys off. It really seems to put them, you know, kind of in a, hey, I don't know, you know, if you've ever experienced this, you'll know what I'm talking about. When a girl becomes aggressive in chasing a man, it'll usually push the man away. And the reason why is because it's not because of society. It's not because of culture. It's not because we need to have some feminism revolution. It's because of creation. You see, man was made from dust, but woman was made from man. And man is pursuing that thing that he lost, which will make him complete. Whereas when the woman is pursuing the man, she's pursuing the dust. The man is pursuing his rib. He's pursuing that thing that belongs. And this really is why man is traditionally, and even across all cultures and religions, he is the one who pursues the spouse in a relationship. It's because the man is missing something. This also is a reason why men are, um, well, how do I say this delicately? In a relationship, men are more driven by sex than women are. And if you guys are uncomfortable with this, you need to read a book. I'm going to give you a book to read that I have, uh, I've, I've told my church to read. I even put this on the projector screen at the beginning of service, and I tell our church, I say, everybody, man, woman, everybody, read this book. It's a book called Your Brain on Porn. That's right. It's called Your Brain on Porn. And even if you don't have a porn problem, even if you've never viewed porn, I recommend you to read this book. It's not written by a Christian. It's written by an atheist, and there's some shocking things in this book. However, when you see how an atheist views the destructive nature of porn and how an atheist says that it's something you shouldn't have in your life, we realize that it's more than just a Christian stand against, uh, against a, uh, an e- what we portray as an evil. He goes through explaining what happens in your brain and what happens physically in your body and what it does to your relationships. And porn is generally viewed more often by men than women, and it's because men feel a need for something to fill something in their lives. It's the women don't feel that as strongly as the men do, and it has a lot to do with our creation. Now, just throwing that out there, I'm going to say this also, ladies, you ought to read the book. 
because you need to understand what's going on in the mind of some of these guys. And some of you guys that have been fighting porn and are afraid to ask for help, you're afraid to go tell anybody because of shaming and so forth, get this book. You can order it on Amazon. It'll be delivered in a couple of days. I've read it. I've given it to many people in our church to read. It is a fantastic read of helping you to know what to do, what you're facing, and how to put together a plan, especially for some of you that are too embarrassed or feeling shame to go get help. This is a step you can take to help you during this season of your life. Now, getting back off of my rabbit trail, back to our, our, uh, our talking about work. Work is an opportunity to serve your world. It's an opportunity to serve your generation. Work is made not just so you can get something. See, we, it, when you go to work to get something, work loses all its meaning. It becomes a drudgery, and work becomes something that is, uh, well, something that's, that's hated. When you just have to get that check, and all you're doing is working the nine to five because you just got to get that check, because you just got to pay those bills, you're going to hate your job because work was not meant to serve you. Work is meant to serve others. You see, God created not just you, but every living person on this planet in His image. And when you are establishing a business that meets a need in someone else's life, or you are working in a career or a job that is helping somebody else have their life improved by what you produce or how you serve or what you provide, you are blessing the image of God. And there is an inherent blessing in you receiving from when you are pouring out into someone else's life. I've said this before about money. I'm going to say it again. Money is nothing more than a certificate of appreciation for a job well done. When you work well, you're rewarded well. We don't work to get money, but money flows into those who work well. If you have a, if you have your, let me say I had my, my yard and it was, you know, it was seven or eight inches deep with grass. It hasn't been cut and everything's just out of whack. And I tell you, man, I'll pay you $30 to come to my house and just mow the grass, knock it down. Don't bag it, just knock it down. But you come to my house and instead of doing that, you bag it, you, you trim it, the edge, you know, the edge it, and you, you weed eat around the trees and the fence line, you pull the weeds in the flower bed, you bag everything up and make my yard look clean. Let's say you even planted some flowers. And when I get home, I've got my neighborhood yard of the month signs that the neighborhood association has planted square in the front of my yard. And then you come by later that evening to, to receive payment. There's no way in the world that I'm going to feel okay with giving you $30. You did hundreds of dollars of work. Even if I can't afford the hundreds of dollars of value that you gave me, there's no way I'm going to let you walk off my porch for $30. I'm going to reach deeper into my wallet and pour out more because the greater you serve will cause money to chase you. See, work is about serving others, doing unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And as you serve well, you will create a, a force of nature that, that money will flow into your life. Don't seek money. Seek serving people. Doing the best job you can for the sake of the people to whom you are serving. It'll be the person that works with that attitude who gets the promotion. It'll be the guy that works with that spirit that finds himself getting that one in a million job opportunity from a recruiter. You become that person, you'll all of a sudden find that work is a place that brings you restoration and peace and great, great joy. Can I get an amen? There's something I used to say to our youth when I was a youth leader, and I said this all the time, and it became something I said almost every single week, and so you guys need to hear it as well. It's this little biblical truth. Love gives and lust takes. 
That's how you can tell the difference between those two. Lust is just the counterfeit of love. And how do I know the difference is that love gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Lust is only in it for itself. And if you find yourself, you're just working so you can get what you can get, you've got the wrong spirit about work. And it's time to, to supercharge our work with love. This means even some of you that don't have a job and you're living at home with your parents, doing those chores around the home, do it because you love your parents. Do it because you love what all the sacrifice and work and money and time that they've poured into you. Every time you do anything at all, do it in a spirit of love, and you won't have to worry about trying to perform to some level. Love will always take you to a level of excellence. Now, number two, number two in something about purposing your life is setting yourself up for purpose. I want to talk a little bit more about purpose in this. You see, you can work any job even if you don't think that that's your life purpose. You can find great joy in serving people even if that may not be the ultimate place that your life lands. But this next principle is important to understand is that we have got to be people who embrace every stage of life and don't rush to be ahead, but enjoy where you are and realize that sometimes purpose manifests down the road. In the Old Testament, we got a guy by the name of Abram. Of course, we later know of him as Abraham. And he was, a, uh, he was a, a man living in Ur of the Chaldees. He was in a, you know, a foreign country, a foreign land. He was not, th- there were no Jews. I mean, th- Jews don't exist. This guy becomes the father of, of Isaac and then Jacob, who has the 12 sons and, and renamed Israel. I mean, so th- there is no Judaism. There is no Hebrew. There is no Bible. There is no Torah or Old Testament. He's just a guy living in Ur of the Chaldees. And, and God calls out to Abram, and, and it's, in, it's in Genesis chapter 12 and 1, and God basically tells him, look, Abram, get out of your country. Get away from your kindred and your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. That's an amazing statement because he didn't say, Abram, I want you to go west 200 miles until you reach the border of this, and I want you to turn right and go up to the border of that and circle around until you get to this city. He gave him no such instructions. His instructions to Abraham was just go. Just start going somewhere. And as you do something, then I will begin to show you where to go. Abram didn't have a map. He didn't have a plan. He didn't have any answers, but he started walking. He started walking. You see, faith is a walk that sometimes doesn't know its real destination. And God has put you in a life where it's time for some of you to start walking. You've been sitting too long, waiting. You're sitting in Ur, and God has said, get up and go. And you're waiting for him to answer the question of where. And he's waiting for you to obey the command, go. It's okay to start walking in a direction that you're not sure if it's God's will, but you think, well, you know, I, I think this is within God's will. You know, I've, I've looked at Scripture, I've prayed, I've talked to the, the, the trusted elders and counselors and pastors and parents and people in my life, and I feel as if this is an area that is, is within a God's permissive will. It's not something that's, you know, I'm not going to go out and commit crimes, I'm not going to go out and do something that's ungodly or unclean, but... You know, I don't know that God wants me to do this and just start doing it. Go in that direction. 
and and just start walking and don't rush to get ahead of God's plan. See, there is a purpose for every stage of the journey. And even though you may not understand it, it doesn't change the fact that you're still in God's purpose, a purpose of discovery and becoming an example to somebody else. You see, I started out, I uh, became a Christian at the age of 20 after not really being a Christian of any faith. I came into, uh, into a Pentecostal church and and started my journey at the age of 20 years old. I was in college to be an architect, and I changed my mind that I might go and be a paramedic because I thought it would be a good adrenaline rush for a guy that didn't know what he wanted to do when he grew up. And uh, started working as a paramedic. Had a great job, and all my friends that were paramedics were studying to go to medical school. And I was like, you know, I could do this. I, I, could, I could learn this doctrine stuff. I can... I think I'm going to go and get all of my prerequisites out of the way and apply for medical school. That was going to be my new direction. It sounded good. It made a lot of sense, and I could drive a Corvette. I could drive a new Corvette every year if I was a man. I should have been a doctor. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I'd somewhere in there, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? Before I get too far down this road, I just felt this tug. I, I can't say that I understood it was God. I just felt a desire, and I didn't know if it was coming from me or coming from God. Today, I recognize it as, as the pull of, of the Lord on my heart, but at the time, I just had this hunger to know more about His Word because I hadn't been raised going to church. I didn't know the stories of anything other than David and Goliath and Jonah and the whale. I was about it, and so I wanted to, to learn, so I wanted to go to a Bible college for one year just to get a good, solid foundation of Bible teaching so I could turn back around and come back home. And now I've got a solid Bible core so I, my faith would be set so I could go on to medical school because I knew that I'd be challenged with atheism and humanism as I pursued that degree, and I didn't want to lose my faith. But it was while at Bible college that God really got a hold of me. That's where I was called to preach, and that's where my whole life took a different direction. It was unexpected. I didn't know it was coming. I could have never planned for it, and it wasn't for anything I ever wanted. In fact, when I heard the voice of the Lord calling me to preach, I was in a prayer room alone on a weeknight, somewhere around 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night, all by myself, praying unto the Lord, and I heard His voice, and it's really the only time I've ever heard it like this. And when I heard God's voice, I, I just I started to cry. I was like, oh no, this ruins everything. This isn't what I want to do. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a pastor. They, they don't get to drive Corvettes. I, you know, I didn't want to be a, a pastor. I, but I, I just I wept in the presence of the Lord. And I said, Lord, if that's what you want, I'll, I'll do it. And I, I to, even told the Lord, it's not what I want to do. It's not the direction I want to go, God. This is against my will, but I do understand and recognize this time it's your voice. And now looking back, I'm so thankful for that change of direction in my life and that moment in time. It turned my world on its head, but it set me on course for a life that I am so thankful for. I look back in that season of not knowing where I was going, and I embrace it. I look back on that season of, of where I didn't realize that that tug on my heart was actually the Lord, and I, and I, and I, I embrace it. Hearing God's voice was such an unexpected thing, and I can never forget those things. So we have got to learn to embrace every stage of life. Some of you right now don't have any direction. You don't have any purpose. Embrace this moment in time as an opportunity to learn to hear God's voice, to learn to walk by faith, and don't get ahead of the game. You got to tell the Lord, I'm teachable. Tell your employer, I'm teachable. We've got to stop making excuses for not stepping up 
And we've also got to stop making excuses for staying where we are. We have to, we have to realize that there's, there's something to be, we, we've got to step out by faith. Let me just say it like this. Faith is an action word. Faith is not a passive word. We walk by faith. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we sit around and take a nap by faith. Nowhere does it say we just have a snack on the side of the road by faith. You know, but faith, it has connotations of walking, and it also has connotations of warfare. We take up the shield of faith, and there's, there's so much that we do that requires faith. Faith is an action word. If, if your car, let's use the car as an analogy of your life, there's no need to turn the steering wheel if your car is still in park. If, you're, if your car's in drive and your foot's still on the brake, turning the steering wheel really doesn't do much unless you're just really crammed in a corner and you need to angle yourself out. But the steering wheel is only necessary when the car is in motion. Faith is an action word, and some of you are waiting for God to come to you in your lack of action and give you a direction. Let me tell you a secret. Abram, you need to start walking even though you don't know where you're going. You need to take a step and let God start to steer. I was taking a step towards medical school, and God steered me into pastoring. God can steer you from anywhere as long as you have a heart that is hungry to hear his voice. We've got to stop making excuses for staying where we are. We've got to stop being idle. You know, when uh, my friends that have gone to medical school have told me there's a process for learning that they do with doctors is that you know, because they're trying to teach them so much in so little time. They have this process. It's watch, do, teach. And that, that goes with anything. Any medical procedure that, they, that they're going to be exposed to, they're to watch it. Then they're to do it. Now, they have somebody there to help them as they do it, to help them if they need to ask questions or, or, or something. But then after they've done it and they've been proficient in doing it, which doesn't take long many times, then they're to turn around immediately and teach it. Because watching it is one level of education. Doing is another level of education. But teaching is also learning. You can't teach something without having to learn more about it than you already knew. And so I would recommend all of you in your lives, as you're going through the process of of growing, once you've seen how to do something, no more excuses. It's time to get out there and do it. Now, you might have to take somebody with you and hold you by the hand and walk you through the process. This could be on your job. This could be in ministry. This could be in any area of life. But then once you've done it, find someone that you can mentor just like someone had to mentor you to get you to where you are now. Because if you've done it, you're a step ahead of the game for those that have only watched. Now, the the third point I want to bring to you today is... Uh, the first one was, you know, we got to learn that work is holy. Got to work that that work is holy. Number two, we got to embrace every stage of life. And number three, we've got to learn to embrace impossibilities. We've got to learn to embrace difficult circumstances. Now, this goes contrary to the way most of us are wired. We want to avoid hard things. We want to inv- avoid the impossible. We want we want to avoid the crisis. But you got to understand that impossibilities is nothing more than the city limits sign saying, welcome to miracle country. Because where God begins to work is where our abilities end. God isn't going to do what you can do. God's not going to come down and, and, and do the things that he told you to do. 
you got to plow. You've got to sow the seed. You've got to get the water in it some way, whether it's irrigated or, or planted in a, in a zone that will rain. But God will give the increase. You do what you can do, and God does what only he can do. That's the way this kingdom works. But there's a flip side to this. If you get to the border of miracle country, but you're not prepared for it, you'll never experience the miraculous, even if it's the will of God to do the miracle. You get to the hospital bed of the person who's dying, and you haven't prepared yourself for miracle country. You won't have the faith it takes to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You won't have the courage to go and look that person in the eye and say, I believe it's going to be okay. You see, the first two points I mentioned deal with the two ingredients required to get into the realm of the miraculous. The first one is work, and that deals with love. And then embracing the journey, walking by faith, of course, that deals with faith. Faith and love are prerequisites to the miraculous. Whenever Jesus walked into a community and he would heal somebody, look at how look at look at in the Bible. Just just search the word compassion. It said Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed them. He saw them and was moved with compassion over and over again. Here is Jesus, this great miracle worker. He's not just going in and doing them out of his mind and out of his head. He's doing it out of faith, and he's doing it out of love. He's doing it, he's speaking words of faith to people that he loves. The catalyst for the miraculous is love and faith. And the way you build love and faith is their muscles. You've got to learn to love unlovable people. You've got to learn to serve the customer that treats you like dirt. You've got to learn to give your very best to unappreciative people in the marketplace. You've got to learn to be able to work faithfully in the church when no one pats you on the back and says, good job. You've got to be able to stay faithful in doing it, not because you're there to get something out of lust, but because you're giving your work as an expression of your character and of your love. And then you've got to walk by faith. You've got to believe that God is going to meet you if you'll just take that step of faith and you'll go and sign up for that class. You'll go and walk into that financial aid office. You'll go ask that person for an apprenticeship or you'll go take that step of faith of, 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 into that new career area or that new ministry. Ask that person to, if you, you can teach them a Bible study. It takes love and it takes faith. And when you mix those two together and you have an environment within yourself that's supercharged with love and faith, you're going to find yourself ready when it's time for a miracle. When everything says it's impossible, when the doctor says it's impossible, when the, uh, when the banker says it's impossible, when your, when your friends and family say it's impossible, you say, you know what, this being possible still is dwelling within the boundaries of the will of God. I'm not asking for something that's outside of God's will. I'm not asking for something that's, 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 that's just going to fulfill lust. But I'm doing this with love, and I'm doing this with God-given faith. You'll suddenly find yourself equipped for the miraculous. If your love tank is empty, if you haven't flexed the muscle of faith, 
you're not going to be ready when God's ready to saddle you with purpose. You see, you got to get into miracle country. You've got to get into the boundaries of Canaan, Abram, before you're going to find out your name is really Abraham. You've got to get into the boundary of a new country, and you can't have a relationship with Hagar, who's not someone you have a love covenant with, but you've got to be in relationship with Sarah, because it takes a relationship of love and faith for the miraculous child of Isaac to be born. And suddenly, your purpose to be the father of the faithful, to have the seed that are as numerous as the stars in the heaven, as of the sands of the sea, is fulfilled in Isaac. We have got to realize that it may take a lifetime to come to the, full, the fullness of knowing and understanding our purpose, but we must purpose to walk by faith and to walk by love if we ever expect to know what that purpose is. So now I'm going to bring it down and get ready to close this, this, this podcast out. But before I do, I want to tell you right now, during this time where it seems like the world has stopped and finding purpose seems to be a fantasy, right now is the time to work like you've never worked before. Work with love, serving people. That's in a job, that's in your family, that's in your church, that's in your community. Whether or not you receive a paycheck or whether or not you think that your work is worth more than you're being paid, it's time to learn to love as a priority in work. And number two is walk. Take a step of faith. Not lust-based, but love-based. Not just to get something, not selfishly. I don't want my purpose for me. I want my purpose because that's how I bless the world and my generation I live in. I'm not looking for a purpose so I am satisfied. I'm looking for my purpose so I can pour it out into a world that God loves and Jesus gave his life for. I'm, I'm poor. I, need, I need purpose for them. And when you have love, and you have a walk of faith, man, you'll do things that are new. You need to go out and enroll for that class. You need to go talk to a financial aid counselor. You need to maybe sign up to be an associate in missions. Maybe open up a campus ministry or a P7 club. Whatever it is, you've got to decide to take action on something non-urgent yet important and follow through. What I mean by that is, Our life seems to be dictated and directed by urgent things, whether they're important or not. What I'm talking to you about today is things that are incredibly important, but they just don't seem urgent. There's always the opportunity to procrastinate and put them off another day, put them off another week, another season, another year. At some point, you've got to say, though it doesn't seem urgent, the importance cries out that I've got to do something now. Some of you need to take this season of, a, of the slowdown of this world that we're in and embrace it and realize this is the time that the urgent isn't breathing down our neck and we can start to focus on these important things that don't seem so urgent. It's time to learn how to pray like you've never prayed before. It's time to uh, set up a time to fast. And let me throw this in. Every one of you ought to fast social media at least one day a week. That's becoming one of the most toxic environments in our world. It'd be good for you to pick a day of the week that just like, you know what? I don't look at it. I don't post nothing. I turn the alerts off and learn to disengage from the mess that is social media because that's not work. That's idleness. Nobody posts 
to benefit anybody but themselves. It is a self-centered, narcissistic world, and it would do you good to find an escape from that. Amen. Take action on something non-urgent. Follow through with it. In a generation that's lacking faithfulness and commitment, be the ones who know how to follow through because those who are faithful, committed, and stay to the end is a rare commodity in this generation. No more excuses. Do something with faith from a heart of love. Be ready to encounter a miracle when the road becomes hard. I believe that you guys have it within you. I believe there's greatness awaiting. Sometimes the darkest night is there simply to accentuate the brightest morning. Well, listen, until next time, next gen, remember, you were created for greatness. Believe it, embrace it, pursue it. God bless. Thank you for listening. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this encouraged you.